As Chris uh, mentioned at the start of the service, it lands upon me to uh, bring home and draw to a close the series we've been looking at called The Difference, although as I learned this morning, apparently if I uh, don't do a good enough job, we'll continue next week. So no pressure, we'll find out next week whether I did a good job or not. (laughs) But it has been... (laughs) Sorry, I just had to say that. But given that you and I talked through this talk, I think we can take... uh, We can share the responsibility. Um... I say that with love. Uh, But indeed, it has been a team effort. Uh, Kev, a few weeks ago, kicked this off for us and uh, looked at God's holiness and Isaiah's response to that great message. And then the following week, our very own Den looked at the place of confession in the walk of holiness. And, you know, the place of confession is turning away and turning towards holiness. And that was a great message also. And then our very own Rich looked at the place of devotion to Christ and the place of holiness. And Chris last week looked at the place of salvation and sanctification, walking in sanctification and being like Christ. Fantastic messages. If you missed those, of course, you can catch up at the Vineyard Church, the Credit UK, or on our smartphone device. Well, you know, as Chris prefaced his talk last week, he said, you know, as a team, we have endeavored to be as clear and as direct as possible when talking about holiness. In fact, and I I paraphrase Chris here a bit, it is incumbent upon us to do so. And in in fact, Chris mentioned that before after worship because this is a serious call to stand up, a call to maturity, a call, to use Chris's words, to man up. He said that last week, man up. Just take ownership of this. But he also said, because of that, there is, of course, the risk that you can take offense. You see, the call to holiness will always, on the one hand, encourage and spur us on. And I hope that you have felt that over the past few weeks. But equally, on the other hand, the call to holiness can sometimes make us feel convicted, challenged, dare I say it, a little uncomfortable. Why is that? Because at its heart, the call to holiness is a call to change. It is a call for renewal, a call for transformation. You see, the call to holiness will bring out those things in our lives that are not right to the light, right? It will expose the sin in our lives, those things where we fall short, those things that we have not set apart for him. It's as if we hold up a mirror and we see our state. So let me say this as a way of encouragement. If this morning, as you are sitting on what are rather comfortable, oversized chairs, you start feeling uncomfortable, then praise God. It's not my fault. <laughs> you see, the Holy Spirit is convicting us to change and transformation. Let me say this. When we're up here, we do not come here to entertain you, although I hope you're not bored. We're not in the entertainment business, we're in the business of transformation. And so we've got to expect that we might want to run for the building now and again, although please don't. So having said that as introduction, or should I say preparation, let me just say this as summary. The past few weeks, what have we learned? We've learned this, that God is calling us to be holy. God is calling us to be different than the world to be set apart for him. God is calling us to be like Jesus, to be Christ-like. And if you've been like me over the past few weeks, I've responded with a yes, Jesus, amen. That is what I want. 
You know, we should not be surprised at that response. Because the call of holiness is not an alien call which lands on deaf ears and hard hearts. No, for those that declare Christ as their Lord, it is a call which is received by hearts softened by his love. Hearts longing for him. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you. Psalm 42. You see, as new creations in Christ Jesus, we long for holiness because that is who we are. It speaks to our very nature, our new creation that we've been set apart from for him. Do you see that? But here's the thing. While we know that to be true, do we not also know to be true that it is easier said than done? You know, Chris last week looked at the great disconnect. You know, we confess Jesus with our lips on a Sunday, and yet we deny him with our actions on a Monday. It's not as if, though, we go out of our way to do that, right? That's not our intention. No, we come here on a Sunday and we recognize that we lack patience with that friend or family member. We say, Lord, will you help me in that? And yet by the following Sunday, we're back where we started. Maybe that's you this morning. Will you recognize in that place of conviction that you've drunk too much those few nights, had one too many glasses of wine, and you fall into drunkenness. You say, Lord, would you help me? And yet by the following Friday, you're back in that place. Maybe that's you this morning. Or maybe you are in sexual sin. And this call to holiness, your response has been, no, Lord, please help me. And yet, a few days later, you're back in that place. Maybe that is you this morning. And you know, Paul talked about this in Romans 7. He said, you know, those things that I do not want to do, I do. Those things that I do want to do, I don't do. What is he talking about? That great disconnect. Why? Because of our fallen nature, our flesh. Those sinful desires rage against us. Do we experience that, or is it just me? There's a few nodding heads. Thank goodness, I'm glad you're with me. Thank you, amen. And so, as I wrap up this series, I hope, the focus focus of this message then is how, how do we walk in holiness? How can we be victorious? And spoiler alert, good news, we can be. Because not only does God call us to holiness, but he makes a way for holiness. He enables us to be victorious. And that, my friends, is what we're going to look at this morning. And so I'm going to pray and we're going to get into it. Lord, thank you that you have called us to be holy. What a privilege it is. What a privilege it is. Lord, I pray this morning that uh, as we look at your word, you would open our eyes Open our eyes afresh. Help us to understand how you have made a way for us to walk in holiness. Lord, would you prepare our hearts to receive your word? And Lord, I ask that you anoint me afresh to preach it. In your name, amen. Okay then, so uh, before we look at how we walk in holiness, I want to just bring some of the threads over the past few weeks together and make sure we're all on the same page as it relates to two very important things. Number one, why be holy? Figured that's a good starting point. And second of all, what does holiness look like? Okay, first one, why be holy? I've got four things for you. 
I like the number four. Seems to fit well on the page. If you've got a pen, write them down. Here's the first one. You ready? Because God invites us. God invites us. And we've looked at this at the start when, uh, when Kev kicked this series off. And one of the anchor texts has been 1 Peter 1, 15, 16. It's on the screen. God says this, be holy, be holy for I am holy. Let me say this as plain as I can. This is not a command from a hard God. This is an invitation from a loving Father. Be holy for I am holy. Come walk with me in the call of the afternoon. Be holy, for I am holy. Come in intimate relationship with me. I've got so much for you. Walk in holiness and experience that true peace, that true joy, that true knowledge of being my son and my daughter. Be holy. It is the will of the Father that we be set apart for him because that is the place that we are our truest self. Do you feel and hear that invitation this morning? Be holy, for I am holy. Okay, second one. God makes a way because holiness is the spectacular mission and end for which Christ came into the world. Holiness is a spectacular mission and end for which Christ came into the world. Paul says this in the letter to Corinthians in the second letter, chapter 5, verse 15. I'm just going to have it on on the screen very quickly. And Jesus died for all. Listen to this. That those who live should no longer live for themselves. You see, that is the opposite of holiness. You want to see the nub of what sin is? That is it. Why did Adam and Eve sin? Because they no longer wanted to live for God, but live for themselves. They wanted to be like him. That is the root of sin. And so Christ came so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him. That is holiness, you see. That is a spectacular mission, an end game for which Christ came into the world, that we would walk in holiness. Second scripture, it's not on the screen, let me read it. Ephesians 5, 25, 26. Christ loved the world and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it. You know, Chris looked at this technical word, sanctification, last week. Let me just say this. When, when Christ died on the cross, as we know, he took our sin... But he also gave gave us his righteousness so that we are justified, so we are saved. That is salvation. So when God looks at us, he looks at us as holy. But we are called to walk in that holiness. That is sanctification. And so not only does Jesus make us clean by his righteousness, but he makes a way for us to be cleansed and to be sanctified. Do you see that? That's why we're called to be holy. Let me just say this as clear as I can. The gospel isn't just a gospel of salvation, of being saved from the punishment of sin. Christianity is not a free ticket to heaven and that's it. If you're at that place, let me say as plain and with as much love as I can, you've missed it. You see, the gospel, the full gospel calls upon and makes provision for renewed hearts and minds. That's why we should be holy. And what is our response to that? It brings us to the third point. Because an outworking of holiness demonstrates our love for Christ. 
Where he first loved us and made a way for holiness, so our response is to walk in holiness. I'm sure you've heard this scripture, John 14, 15. If you love me, Jesus says, you will keep my commands. If you love me, you will keep my commands. John 15, 14, the other way around. You are my friends if you do what I command. You see, a love without action is no love at all. I'm sure you've been in relationships where someone says they love you, and yet after a while you think, wait a minute, there's no demonstration of that love whatsoever. You know, uh, a couple of days ago, our little Lucy was doing some writing, and she had this piece of paper and showed it to Steph, and Steph read it out, and he says, my mummy loves me because she cares for me, she makes me lovely food, and she bakes banana bread with me. <laughs> Why? Because there was an action for that love. You know, let me just say this. You know, if you say you love Jesus and yet your life doesn't reflect it and you have no intention of reflecting it, then you need to question your love. You know, Paul does say, examine your faith. You know, love requires us to follow him. And lastly, and Chris unpacked this for us last week because we are called to also love one another. You see, as we receive the love of Christ, we then love one another. John 13, 34 to 35 a new command, I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Why be holy? Because we only love one another to the degree in which we walk in holiness. Let me say that again. We only love one another to the degree with which we walk in holiness. We cannot love others in the way Christ calls us unless we are walking in holiness because it is the holy path that we take that enables us to express that love, to have compassion, to have kindness, to have peace. Do you see that? Why be holy? Because God calls us to love one another. Okay, well, there's the four points then. Because God invites us to holiness. Because holiness is a spectacular mission, an end for which Christ came into the world. Because an outworking of holiness demonstrates our love for Christ. And lastly, because we are called to also love one another. Let's move on to the next thing then. What does holiness look like? Well, again, and I'm using a lot of your content from last week, Chris. Thank you. Galatians uh, 5, 13, 25. Chris, unpack this for us. The great thing about this passage is not only does it tell us what holiness is, but it's very clear on what it is not. Here it is on the screen. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. That is quite a laundry list. That is what holiness is not, but also this, this passage shows us what it is. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is holiness. That is what we are called. That is the seemingly high bar. But what I want to do is just unpack this, and what I want us to notice is this. And as we look at the focus, which is how we walk in holiness, it's critical to understanding that. When Paul talks about what it isn't in verse 19, he calls them acts of the flesh, i.e. our fallen state. We act upon our sinful desires. That is what that list of things are. But... When he talks about what holiness is, he calls it the fruit of the Spirit. Do you see that distinction? 
He doesn't say the act of holiness. He says the fruit of the Spirit. Here's, here's the thing, right? Holiness is a fruit being wrought in us by the Spirit of God. <laughs> and this is coming to it, you see. Oftentimes we're asking the wrong question How do I act holy? You missed it. You missed it. The question is, how do I bear his fruit? Do you see that? Do you see that? That's the question we should be asking. That's the question. That's the focus. Which leads me on to then to how do we walk in holiness. And uh, Chris, at the end of worship, looked at this for us already. John 15, verses 4 and 5. Why don't you turn to it with me? Because this is where I want to focus for the next five or so minutes. John 15, verses 4 and 5. I can hear the sound of pages. It's a lovely sound. Jesus says this, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And then just so we make sure, he makes sure we are clear about this, apart from me, you can do nothing. Pretty direct. You see, this is the key. This is the answer to holiness. Abiding in Christ. And friends, we have missed it so often because we run away from Christ and we try and do it on our own strength. We focus, don't we, and try harder on being more patient. We try harder on being more loving. We try harder on being more kind. We try harder, 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 harder. And yet when we look at the mirror, we recognize we fall short. Let me explain it this way. An orange tree doesn't need to focus on making great oranges. Just think about this. Stay with me on this. It just needs to ensure its roots go deep down into the rich, fertile soil. That it, it spreads out its branches and its leaves to receive the life-giving sun. That it goes deep into the waters that come from heaven. And then it makes good fruit. Do you see that? The degree to which it abides is the degree to which it bears good fruit. Hey, friends, that is the same with us. We have been designed to abide in Christ, to soak up his strength, to receive his life, his peace, his joy, his love, his kindness, his goodness, his holiness. You see, and this is where we're coming to. It is the holiness of Christ in us that enables us to walk in holiness. It is the holiness of Christ in us that enables us to walk in holiness. Let me put it another way. The degree to which we walk in holiness is the degree to which we abide in Christ. Let me say that again. Just listen. The degree to which we walk in holiness is the degree to which we abide in Christ. Does it make sense now? 
It does for me. Flip, no wonder I'm not patient when I need to be. You see, we have been made, friends, to sit in his presence, to listen to his voice, to read his word and obey his commands, to meditate on his goodness. We have been made to have fellowship with him through praise and thanksgiving, with prayer and supplication. We have been made to abide in him, and as we do, we bear fruit. And you've probably seen this in your life, your better moments have been in that place of abiding. When during the week you found you've had more patience for that person, you wonder how. You've wondered how you've been able to be victorious over that sin. It's because you've had a week where you've just immersed yourself in him. (laughs) That is how God designed us and created us. I'd like to invite the band up. But you know, you might feel as, if I, as I do sometimes, but you know what, Mark, that makes sense. But I can't do this. I fail, I'm too weak, I try to abide in Christ, and yet, a few days later, it seems to go to pot. I have good news for you. That is the whole point. What do I mean by that? You know, the great apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, when talking about the, the thorn in his side, the, the thing that... He struggles with to walk in holiness. He says this. This is what God had said to Paul. My grace, Paul, is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. You see, it is God's grace that enables us to abide in Christ and bear his fruit. God doesn't just make a pathway for us to walk in holiness. He enables us. He gives us strength to walk in it when we come and confess our need. Lord, I am weak. Thank you that your grace is sufficient. And so maybe you're at that place this morning and you feel like you've come to the end of yourself. I can't do this thing anymore, Lord. I've tried abiding. I've tried to be holy. Well, I've got good news for you. His grace is sufficient for you. His grace is perfect for you. His grace is there for you. And so what is our part? Just to confess and call upon his name. You know, I want to I leave us with this quote from a 17th century pastor in Norfolk and a writer. He said this, Say not that you have royal blood in your veins and are born of God, except that you can prove your pedigree by daring to be holy. Do you dare to be holy this morning? Do you dare to say, I need your grace. I want to abide in you. Do you dare to confess your weakness? Do you dare to say, I need to live a different way? Do you dare to say, I want to be holy as our Father has invited us? Do you dare this morning? If you do, I want you to stand. I want us all to stand. And I'd like to invite Chris up as well. Do you dare to be holy? Do you hear the call this morning? For God is calling us to be holy. And God has made a way in his son. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.